Hello and welcome to the Spoon Carving Conversations podcast, where I talk to spoon carvers from around the world about how and why they carve spoons. I'm Simon Pooley, and today I talk to John Bayer. John was born and grew up in Sweden, where Sloyd was a big part of his life. He still lives there today with his family. John carves beautiful spoons and cookses, among other things, and he often decorates them with amazing coal rosing and chip carving. We talked about his carving process and why he likes to keep things simple in regards to tools and wood. We also spoke about how it is to live and carve close to nature. It was a really fun conversation as always, and I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, good morning, John. Uh, first of all, thank you for meeting me today to have a talk. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I reached out and um, yeah, thought it would be uh, cool to... to to know you a bit better i've been following you i think since i started carving which i I told you before was 2018 um yeah yeah, and that's when i quite soon after i went onto instagram and started seeing the work of others and started following a lot of people and yeah just kind of diving into the world of carving and specifically uh, spoon carving and that's where i found your work and i've been following you since then so yeah i'm really happy to talk to you a bit today um one of the things i saw you you posted once uh was that you're actually born in mora the town in sweden i don't know if i'm yeah. saying that correctly how do i pronounce yeah. it uh, it's okay mora 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 yeah, yeah. And you were actually born there, and for me, most people know it from the the tools, the knives, no, the mora knives. These yeah. are like if people are carving, you kind of have to know these these tools. So, um, yeah, you were born there. Uh, what's the town like? Did you grow up yeah. there? What's mora like? Um, I grew up uh, pretty close to mora, but not in mora, but. I, I was born in uh, Mora Hospital, so to speak, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it's a quite small town, but yeah, it's it's nice. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a small town in Sweden, in the in the southern part of Sweden, or in the middle. Yeah, it's it's um, the southern half. Uh huh. Yeah, and and is it? Like for me, yeah, mora means the tools, the knife, spoon carving. Straight away, I have this kind of, uh, yeah, connection to it. And I yeah. didn't actually know there was a town of this name. So if people go there today, is would you know this? Like, does the town somehow uh, yeah, yeah, have mora this? Knife is, yeah, mora knife is quite uh, prominent. They have their uh, concept store there in, in Mora and... Uh, you can go there and visit and um yeah and is this where the tools started getting ma- getting made do you know this yeah there was a couple of different uh, companies making knives and um then they emerged together and uh, became more a knife okay so, yeah it, uh-huh uh-huh and it got the name from the town. I know, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you because I know you're um, using their tools and kind of promoting somehow. Yeah. I don't know exactly what yeah. your arrangement, I mean, you tell a little bit, but I know you carve, is it only with Mora knives or how come it is that you're using well, I, these I, tools I, specifically? 
yeah, it's it's more like I when I started carving as a child, I can't really remember when I got my first knife because yeah, it was pretty early on, and um, well, I just like them. Um, I think they are great because they are quite um, quite cheap for what you get uh, quality wise. And um, yeah, but I recently got a set of uh, carving tools from Beavercraft tool to do a review on. And um, so I'm not excluding others. It's just for me because I've always always used them and uh, I like to have as few tools as possible. Okay. Because then, then I can just um, adapt them to what I want to do with them, and, and you know. So mm -hmm. if you have, um, when I do my my um, coal roasting and, and uh, chip carving, I often just use my my Mora one hundred six, and just hold it in a pencil grip. Yeah. And um, yeah. It's not. It's not that I <laughs> just only want to use Mora, but I. But I. I like to use as few tools as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And then okay. And do you literally then use as little as possible? And that you have, yeah, maybe one one o six one of the shorter ones. Is it a one o two? Like how many how many knives do you have in circulation that you're kind of currently using? Uh, right now it's three knives. Yeah. Um, because um, Mora did uh, send me the new versions uh, of the 120 and 106, um, and they are in their carbon steel versions. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You wrote a little uh, a kind of review about this, huh? That's yeah, interesting. I. Haven't tried it myself, so maybe you could give a short summary of the review. I think it's pretty uh, recent that they came out with these knives, right? In the last months, yes. is that right? Or how yeah. long has the carbon blade been available? Months. I'm not sure, but it's it's about a month, I think. Um, yeah. And um, well, I do prefer the laminated steel. I, I, I find the, the carbon version really good too. And I think it's much to do with what you are used to. So for me, why I prefer the laminated steel is because it has a little bit more of uh, springiness. It's, it's flexing a bit. So when I carve, especially when I do the facets, I like to have this... Um, pressure the contact with the blade and the wood um, and it feels a bit different with the carbon steel because it's much stiffer but as I said it's just what you're used to and I think um, why I like to promote Mora is because they are cheap compared to a lot of different others uh, and uh, it's a good option for for advanced carvers, but it's particularly good for for beginners because, I mean, you don't know 
how much you're going to carve and, and well, if you are willing to spend whatever amount of money, you can buy a much more fancy blade. But yeah, yeah. I, I think keep it simple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're you're proof of that. Like, if you see the the things you make with the tools, it just shows that yeah it's not it's not the tools that magic you don't buy expensive fancy knives and suddenly your carving abilities <laughs> but unfortunately it's yeah the person and and uh yeah the the more knives even though you you say they're cheap you can do amazing stuff with it so the carbon okay it's not such a big difference it's slightly harder and um, and it's funny you say the normal knives more has more of a flex it's funny because when I'm carving, I don't actually feel like a flex. I mean, the, the blade isn't flexible or bendy in that sense, but you still feel a difference, huh? That shows maybe that you've spent enough time with this knife to feel this one as flex compared to that. I'm not sure if I would even feel the difference myself, but um, uh, maybe I will. Well, yeah, it's quite, uh, I know. Uh, I think when when you have carved long enough, you you gain this intimate uh, relationship with the blade, and yeah, yeah. But which knife are you using? It's the I use the laminated one hundred and six, and this is again one I've oh. had since I started. And similar to you, I like it did the job. I never felt like ah, my knife, my tools are holding me back, and this is still the one I use. Yeah, this is the only straight knife I've ever used maybe i'm missing out on if i bought a knife it would be like aha but still to this day very much like you i'm i don't want to collect tools for the sake of it i mean i like knives and i like tools but it's not the important part for me and i feel like some people do more of this and like collecting the knives for the sake of it and the tools and they enjoy that just as much but for me it's really not yeah. important uh, in that sense like yeah. it, it's never held me back yeah. so i'm still using this and then i have the the short uh, one also the 102 as kind of a backup and finishing knives with a bit of a pointier blade to to do some things yeah and, and don't don't get me wrong on this i mean if you like to buy uh, hand forged expensive knife um, which aren't really expensive considering the time the blacksmiths put into them. Um, but I mean, if you're if you want to do that and find that uh, something you like to to do, I, I'm not against it. I think mm-hmm. it's terrific. And, and um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I'm the same. But and there's something about the yeah, it's. I don't know. Maybe I treat it differently. I mean, I don't. I try and treat my tools well and knives I have well and keep them sharp. But somehow, just knowing, like, ah, if I if something goes wrong and I drop it, it's not the end of the world. I, I can no. I can replace it. It's not so expensive yet. It doesn't become this precious thing. I become too, uh, too sentimental about. It's just a tool to to do what I what I yeah. enjoy. So, yeah. Okay. And I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I think I think it's uh, for me. It's just 
eliminating all the obstacles for a person who is just starting to carve. Mm-hmm. And if if you have this notion of, well, you have to have a specific specialist, uh, expensive tool, that's an obstacle. Mm-hmm. And, and um, yes, just removing all those um, unnecessary obstacles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, yeah, have that then in your mind as a kind of someone who's promoting carving and woodwork and things. Yeah, you you consciously have that, like, oh, I want to I want to show that anyone could do this, and you don't need these things. So is that fair to say that you do it with that in your mind? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I I grew up uh, with not a lot of money around and um, that's actually a, a bit of the story of why I started carving from the start it's um, well, from the beginning because in some sense it was like a hobby and a tool um, the more a knife but also the means to get to create things which I had used for so yeah, I think that's really important to me, the whole slade thing. Mm-hmm. So the idea is to kind of, yeah, make uh, become more self-reliant and, yeah, you don't need to, to, I don't know, buy everything, this kind of thing, like I can do it. I have the tools and I yeah. I can learn and, and make my... Make my own spoons and and plates and and cups and bowls and this can get more and more with the sloy chairs and furniture it can grow and grow but okay so this is something you really yes uh, also have as part of part of your carving this this idea to be self reliant and, and yeah. make yeah. things yourself. Mm-hmm. So how was it then you you were born there in in Mora and then. Were people yeah. carving around you or making things, or did people have the self-reliant your family when you grew up? Did you see this? Yeah, I, I grew up on a farm where my parents were um, not a hundred percent self-sufficient, but um, to a quite yeah, almost self-reliant, so to speak. And um, I mean. The culture in Sweden, um, in many places, has this slowed culture still living. And uh, in uh, elementary school, we have slowed as a subject in school. And um, yeah, so it's always been part of my life in that sense. Um, but from the beginning, I didn't really really consider the option of, of uh, making a living um, on Slade. I was more into art and, and painting and I was doing a lot of um, watercolor landscape and uh, yeah because I like to I like to bring um, my um, paints with me and and go out in the wilderness and just yeah get lost in time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, and, so painting, yeah. yeah. 
And so Slöjde, for me, just grew out of uh, more like a bushcraft thing from to start. Yeah. But but then then I realized that people find my my slate craft to be good and they wanted to buy and uh, yeah I, I started to to try to make a living because I've been living uh, as a stay home dad for my kids until they start elementary school uh-huh. and so now I have this. <laughs> time on my hands to just start to do this slate thing more full time. Uh-huh. So it yeah, happened kind of, yeah, organically in that sense, huh? you, you started. Yeah. And it's funny with, a, with coming someone else, um, Aaron, a previous guest, also came from kind of a bushcraft um, direction and that he was, yeah, doing the outdoors and bushcraft and there sometimes you... You have a knife and you make some simple stuff, but then it can change, right? With practice and time, it's not just a practical carving something to get the job done. It goes into more of a art form, I would say, and that the thing's higher quality and, yeah, it's not just a, a, a spoon or a cup to get food, but it's something something more i don't know i I, if you understand what i mean it changes somehow huh with yeah because um when you find these old spoons um maybe i don't know how common they are in in germany but you can find them in antique shops and uh, and uh, uh, we have these spoons uh, that has been in the family for for a long time, and uh, they are pretty old. And I think it's very remarkable to to hold an object which isn't just a piece of beauty; it's something to use, and um, and still it has this age. And and I think. It just comes because people are careful with these things because somebody has put in a lot of work and, and made it beautiful. And um, yeah, I think a lot of my spoons, I try to make them pretty just because I want people to treat them right and, and feel a connection to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's funny. I mean, and, and those older spoons—the one you said you've had in your family for a while—did someone from the family carve that, or is that? Do you know where it came from? No, no, I, I don't know really because, um, yeah, I, I had some uh, cooks us and um, and uh, woodware from my uh, my grandpa, um, but that's the only one I know did carving. Okay. Uh, on my father's side, there were some Sami um, craftsmen, but I don't know too much about them. Mm-hmm. What What is Sami craftsman, the word you just said? Yes, yeah, Sami is, um, is this uh, indigenous people of uh, northern Sweden. Okay, yeah. And they so were they craftspeople. 
Yeah, and reindeer herders. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, very cool. But uh, yes, yeah, and I agree with you. These these things, and I wonder. That's a a challenge too. Somehow, for me, like I like sometimes appreciate my own spoons when they make a really nice one. Like ah, I have this sentimental connection to it, this feeling something. I'm really happy with it, and I think other craftspeople can appreciate this from each other. But it's also yeah, for other people, non-carving people, if we can kind of sometimes I I think about how can I um, get them to feel this kind of connection to this thing. I don't know. Maybe it's impossible. They just don't see it or they don't feel mm-hmm. it or something. But uh, I think it's a nice thing. However, we do it is to, for, for more people to yeah value the things around us, especially these handmade things from someone. I think it's such a nice thing to feel this connection yeah. to something, whether it's a piece of artwork or, or, something carved yeah 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 i think it's it's really important to to try to get this um human connection in in the things you do and um, there are things that that just seem to be universally uh, attractive so to speak Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, you started whatever, whatever. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, I I lost my thoughts. Okay. Um, I was just yeah wondering. So you you've kind of been around it then, yeah, since you were younger, and because you only I looked at your Instagram. This is normally where I can get the most information on someone I'm going to talk to. Is like scroll their Instagram and read some things yeah. some people write more or less look at the photos try and imagine the person and and kind of yeah find a little bit about the person you first posted in 2018 i saw i always like to scroll right back to the start and see like ah why how did this start <laughs> and yeah. um some people have their first few spoons and that you can see it and and this is it and you posted yeah your a spoon there it was and it was like uh yeah, already a really great spoon with uh, coal roasting on it. And yeah, uh, uh, a spoon that you can still recognize as one of yours. I think you have quite a distinct spoon shape and your coal roasting pattern. Um, mm-hmm. So how was that? And how, why did you decide to join Instagram? And how, how has this been? Because I think you've been carving for years before this, right? 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um... Well, I think um, it was a friend of mine who just told me I should go on Instagram. And, um, yeah, I was really skeptical at first because (laughs) I I didn't really think it was uh, for me. But then when I started, I I quickly realized that there was this uh, community. um, And um, the cool thing is just connecting with people all over the world so yeah yeah it just makes that so much easier right it's like instant find someone in somewhere in the world yeah. and look at their work and write them a message 
Yeah. So it's been. Yeah, and um, I started. Yeah, and I, I started to just um, find other carvers and, and see what they were doing. And um, there are so many that are really, really good, really impressive stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was really shocked to hear that the word of Slade used um, by so many. I didn't know this before, that that this word, which is just, for me growing up, growing up with this word, it was very, almost a bit geeky. Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel it's really cool to hear a Swedish word used <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah, I've. I'm the same. I, I definitely made a big influence and uh, met some people and took take inspiration from from these other people. I sometimes wonder, like, if I didn't have it, if if I'd still be carving or if I didn't look at it at all and I carved myself like completely isolated, what would I be doing? You know, cause I think it's good to have inspiration and, and this, but then at the same time, I don't know. I think in total it's good. Don't get me wrong, but I, it's an interesting kind of thought for me to like, yeah, if I was out in the bush just carving on my own, what would I be doing? What would it look like? But uh, yeah, just something I, <laughs> I've thought about. Yeah. Before. But there is, I mean, I think a lot of, if you look at spoons from different places, and I mean, there are variations, but in the same time, it's like conversion, uh, evolution or or something. It's, Mm. they always pretty much go to back to a basic shape. And and, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's also like, look, at the patterns people do and and um, cold roasting i mean i'm very inspired by um, the sami culture mm-hmm. but also when i look at like my wife's fijian culture and they're massy and and um, looking at um, woodworking in their war clubs and, and um, they often have patterns that are quite similar to. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's, I haven't thought about this, but you're right. And the Polynesian, they have this these patterns, often these kind of reoccurring patterns and uh, crosses and things. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, we are kind of limited in a, in a way, right? That's why sometimes, yeah, it, other ends of the world and you can still see ah it's it's somehow somehow similar in a way That's interesting. yeah yeah it's just being a homo sapien i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and your spoons then mm, yeah you do a lot of the coal rosing on your cookses and on your spoons and it looks yeah. to me like you like the shape kind of subtly changes and you tr- you add some things and play with it is that from what you've posted that's what it looks like whereas i am still kind of jumping around from 
different kinds of spoons and completely different shapes. I imagine myself, I would kind of find something that captures me and I would stick to it, but this hasn't happened yet. But I mean, I don't mind what, what, how it happens, but with you, is that how you've worked? Did you consciously decide like, I want to stay with this and refine it and, or how is it for you? No, I don't know. I, I think, Oh, gosh, that's a very tricky question. Uh, maybe it's due a bit to um, the demand. Mm-hmm. So I started to make a couple of cooks that were really popular, and spoons too. And, um, yeah, I got a, ro- a lot of requests uh, for making a similar one. And um, that's definitely part of why. But yeah, um, hmm. I guess I find that the pattern and uh, um, it should somehow connect to the shape of the of the wear. So if if I do a pattern on on the handle of a spoon, I have to. Um, think about the shape of the handle and, uh, and and the facets I've made. So, yeah. Do you normally then finish carving the spoon and then start fitting the, the colors and the pattern to the handle? Or yeah, this is how yeah. it works. Finish the spoon and then, and then fit the pattern. Okay. Yeah, mostly because... <laughs> When I've carved a spoon and, and remove, removed uh, all the, the material around the spoon and, and, and are left with this piece that are, um, yeah, the mass of the, the remaining spoon is, is what the finished spoon will be like. Um, then I, I do a lot of bending and twisting and, and just checking that it's um, um, hold holding a, up to the stress and, and the, like a quality check okay um, and so in that stage i mean it happens that spoons just can't handle that so yeah <laughs> what what sort of um, quite yeah. like do you just bend it in your hand for with a feeling or do you how's your like quality control i'm interested yeah, I do it. You yeah. just do it bend it feel it, feel it yeah. flex it yeah and, and just give it a bit of a twist because often fibers can can withstand stress um, when you're just bending but when you're twisting they just separate and so, yeah, because wood is, is there is a variation. Um, yeah. Yeah. You never know b- before you have tried it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can just imagine the, <laughs> one of your beautiful friends twist with a snap. But uh, I guess that's then like, okay, I, at least I uh, caught that one before it got out. I don't know how I'd feel yeah, about that, but <laughs> it's a I practice and feel go. too bad about it. No, I, I, I just I'm happy not sending that one to to a buyer. Yeah, 
Yeah. I guess that's the difference, huh? Once you yeah, sell spoons and things, you think more about these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. And the coal rosing, it looks like from what I can see, maybe this developed over time too, but it's like a very cool, intricate pattern, which obviously takes a lot of planning, I imagine, of laying out lines and measuring and things. And sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, often just do it by freehand. Ah, okay, actually. really? I've yeah. Done so many times, um, and um, yeah, if you've done it as many times as I have, then just go. Often I just do a, a center line where I want to to make because I often start with a basket wheel, and I want the center of the handle to be um, in the center of the pattern, so to speak. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, sometimes I, I do, um, I, I, I sketch up more of the pattern, but not always. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it looks like, um, yeah, you're doing, it's not just coal rosing, you're also chip carving, right? It's, it seems to be yeah. a combination of the two. Yeah. I think it's just takes it to the next level to to get this a little bit more 3D um, pattern, yeah. Uh-huh. And more feeling. I've it's funny because I've had the same recently where I, I started with coal rosing and I um because I feel like I can draw fairly well so I got a feeling of the coal rosing it's for me fairly similar I'm holding it like a pen and I just take my time and follow the lines but yeah I also felt like something was kind of missing that's why I really like the chip carving actual feeling in the hand like you yeah. say the more 3D and now I've started Sometimes I've cold roast and then afterwards, like, nah, it doesn't, it's not like something's missing. And then I've actually chipped carved with my chip carving knife, some of the lines out, not all of it. And the last one I did this and it just somehow gives this permanence to it and this feeling in the hand that I, that I really like. Yeah. yeah. It was, as I say, had made a spoon, um, uh, it was like mountains. Yeah. Maybe a yeah. 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 And this is it. First I colorized it, but it just felt like ah, it's too flat somehow. I'm doing mountains and it's just this flat. And with the colorizing, I'm still not sure like how how this will stand up with time when it's just a very simple, like a not simple, but a rather shallow colorizing cut. I'm not sure mm -hmm. how that would look in a year or two or five or ten. Whereas the chip carving, I know that's gonna stand up uh to time. So yeah, well, I have some um, of my older cooks that was just um, cold roast and not chip carved. Mm. And um, yeah, I think they have stand up very, very nicely. Um, okay. Because, so I use coffee, ground up coffee and linseed oil. Yeah. And um, when the oil is is curing, it's hardening, and and then it's just keeping it permanently 
Yeah. Okay. So it is rather permanent. And do you burnish over your colorosing? Yes. Um, I used to do it more. I have. Um, I'm doing. I'm doing it less now because I, I think I find that um, the finished cuts that I do today almost gets a bit burnished. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, and as this burnishing, when you do a simple cut in cold rose, you're like uh, closing the gap a bit. Um, but when you are chip carving, this won't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. So as you've done more of the chip carving integrated, there's less kind of need to, to burnish because, yes. Yeah. I just also like the burnishing for the actual feeling in the hand i i quite like the this very polished almost feels like bone uh feeling in yeah. the hand so i i generally do it even if i don't colorose i i burnish the spoons just because i like this kind of polished feeling personally. Yeah. yeah yeah but i mean when i do my finished cuts um i often go with the um, the knife bevel very flat on every um, facet. Yeah. And so when I when I go back and forth cutting that finished cut, it gets a bit burnished by doing uh -huh. that. So, yeah. Just from the angle of the knife. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you're using mostly birch. Is that right? I think they're. It's just birch everywhere. What other trees are growing around you? You seem to use yeah. Yeah, mostly birch. Yeah, I have done some in, in maple, um, cherry, and uh, apple. Mm -hmm. But yeah, mostly birch. Um, and uh, because the birch we have here in Sweden is kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit harder than, than uh, birch you find uh, that has grown more suddenly. Okay. Because we have very slow-growing birch here. Yeah. Is so it very good? Is it because of the the type of birch itself or because of the climate, you know? Or I think both? it's more about the climate. Mm -hmm. mm. The cold. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it just has short uh, um, growth periods. Uh-huh. And I think sometime you wrote also about how the, the season uh, affects the wood itself. Like yeah. when you harvest it, maybe you could tell me I've I, I've never really thought the wood I collect around me is generally stuff I find. I'm not actually cutting trees down, so I don't have a decision on when when I'm getting the wood or the trees cut down, so I haven't thought about this but i find that yeah fascinating that the time of the year affects the wood itself what have you found yeah. with this i i find that um actually um winter cuts or winter fell trees are um, best i think because um partly because um the sugar in in the in the tree sap is very low, and um, yeah, it just 
it makes uh, you know you know when 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 wood is molding or or, or it's often the sugar that gets affected or, or it's, it's the food for the fungi and uh, so when you cut um, wood that has very low levels of sugar then this is yeah it's less food for the for the fungi and, and molds and um, also the oxidation uh, in the wood is less prominent if it's less sugar so, uh, yeah okay and to carved is there much of a any effect on the density or the the feeling of carving itself yeah i think so because well especially this is more when i when i do coxas i i i need wood that is even though it's green wood it's it's less moisture so mm -hmm. in the winter that the trees um, trying to get the the water content in the wood very low and um, and this is just to avoid um, cracking when, when the, the water is freezing uh. um, because um, ice crystals and yeah and so when I take when I when I select a piece of wood for, for making a cook I want this to be green to start with but not as wet as as the wood is in, in like the spring or, or earlier parts of the summer mm -hmm. yeah and do you harvest they like do you cut the trees yourself or do you most find fallen trees well well it's a little bit of both okay. i mean there is enough trees lying around <laughs> i guess <laughs> yeah Sometimes the beaver helps me too. Ah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I cut some cheese down too. But yeah, not that often. Yeah, because we you told me earlier you're living quite remote, huh? So around you is land, forest, and trees. You're not uh, no no shortage of wood for you. No. Like some people are running out of wood and they have to carve their axe block or furniture. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, I'm that's pretty nice. fortunate about that. But I mean, I do a lot of um, tree felling for for processing firewood too. Uh -huh. And when I do this, I, I often find enough uh, material to work with. So yeah, yeah. And so you use birch then, yeah, because it grows around you. Uh, but do you, I guess you like the proper, for me, yeah, it's one of the yeah. soft, softer woods. I actually recently um, carved some again after not carving it for a long time. And I, oh, I, was, I really enjoyed it because I'd been carving mostly beech and plum and much harder woods, which I got used to. And I also enjoy the hardness, but then carving this birch was like, ah, oh, it was, it was so nice. <laughs> it was much softer. Yeah, and, uh, yeah <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you prefer um, birch then to the other woods you may have um, tried? Is it like preferable for you to carve with birch for your spoons and, and for your cookses? Or yeah, because it's um, pretty simple wood. 
I like this. I like it to be to be like. Um, much of my my inspiration come from like what we would call uh, almuge, which is like folklore, uh, common people um, style, and 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 I think Birch is a bit more humble in that sense, <laughs> which is yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think I think it's it's just that it's it's not as fancy as the fruit woods, but mm-hmm. I do enjoy carving them too. But yeah, yeah. And I guess the birch hair in 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 Sweden is, in my opinion, uh, um, and and others too. Um, higher quality wood than than you normally might associate with with birch mm-hmm. in that like you said it's yeah. a bit slower growing and a bit harder and but yeah you're right it's more of a i see what you mean yeah. more of a kind of blank slate huh it's often uh yeah it's kind of plain and and what you do to it yeah it's not so yeah. much the star of the show itself like sometimes yeah I see what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Some birches I've had, I've cut in, and it's had like a dark heartwood. And I'm not sure if that's a type of birch or something happened while it was growing. But mostly, what I've seen in birch is quite a plain, yeah, uh, a light color. But yeah, I've had it a few yeah. times with a real clear heartwood, much darker. And I think it's kind of cool. But do you know if that's the type of birch or why? This may have been. No, I think it's more about uh, the condition and health of the tree. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I, birches don't live for for very very long um, yeah. compared to other trees, and um, they often start to be affected from the heart and, and yeah, dying mm-hmm. from within. <laughs> Okay. But, yeah, mine yeah. didn't seem to be like it wasn't rotten. The timber, the wood on the middle was still hard and I carved it, but it was uh yeah, very clearly this different yeah. coloration. It was quite interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well yeah, I find that sometimes too, but I always remove uh, the heart of the wood. <laughs> the fancy it's... it's too it's very too uh, distracting <laughs> yeah, no, again. But... It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, often when 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 uh, when you dry wood, you will find that the cracks will appear from the center of the wood. Yeah, because the fibers are more uh, porous. Um, because every fiber is like a hollow tube mm-hmm. to to um, direct water for the for the tree. And so the fibers in the middle are often very yeah, prone to, to cracking. And so you want to remove that as much as possible. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good tip. I mean, I always knew to split the log and remove the pith, but so you're saying yeah. even more the, towards the outside, you're going, you may have less problems with cracking. 
yeah, that would be more flexible and yeah. Okay. Yeah, I want to try some more cooks myself uh, sometime. I don't know. I kind of always have the idea to expand a little bit my repertoire, not just do spoons, because I think, yeah, it's cool to maybe making other things, cooks and, and plates. And you do a lot of cooks. Really, really cool. Really, really nice cooks. Yeah. Um, do you do that? Do you just use your hook knife for this? Uh, when I'm uh, hollowing. Yeah, when you're yeah. hollowing. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. the knives. Um, I should maybe start to, to um, look at other methods of, of scooping out more of the mass um, to get, get rid of the bulk. Yeah. But um, just to speed up the process. But so far, I've just used a hook knife. Yeah, that's because what I was wondering. Hmm. Because yeah. it works. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And when I do the the, the finishing up of, of the, um, the bowl, the inside of the bowl, I want to have uh, the thickness of the walls as even as possible. And uh, when I do that with with a hook knife, you know, it's you get you get a very close feeling for how, how thick you are going, you know, yeah. compared to if you're holding a gouge. Or it's, it just puts you at a distance to, to the object you're working in. And yeah, so I, I, I feel it's, for me, it's just this intimacy with, with the wood. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but again, it shows, yeah, you don't need extra tools. You can do it. Obviously, yeah, it takes a, a bit yeah. longer, especially if your your cooks aren't, it's hard to tell from the photo, but they're not they're not small. Do you have it uh, that they're the particular measurement? Uh, do you have a particular dimensions of your cooks or does it? Mm. No, I'm trying to keep in mind like... Um, um, some proportions in, in terms of you know the rule of three and um, um, yeah some Fibonacci thinking but not mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. <laughs> just often I just go for whatever the wood piece allows and um, yeah and also, again, it's much about what people are requesting. So, okay. Yeah. If they say, I want a, a smaller, a bigger, but it's not as if you have yeah, a set. Uh, this one carries this much liquid. Some people, again, are, are very precise with this, and then they use their templates to recreate the same, the same yeah. spoon or the same cup, more or less. But... Uh, doesn't sound like this is your doing, but you might offer a smaller one, a medium, a big, or something like this. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. something to aim for, but <laughs> yeah. 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 And the cooks, yours have this some too, and I've seen others with it, seem to have kind of like a undercut on the inside of the rim, if you can imagine. The walls from the rim aren't going straight down horizontally but almost hollowed yeah. out so it's undercut yeah. is that is that a 
practical feature? I mean, it looks really nice, but or does it have a practical purpose also? Yeah, so it's a bit about, um, you mean it's closing up a bit? Yeah, almost on top yeah. it's closing up, so it's undercut from the inside. Yeah, it's more yeah. of a bell shape or almost. No, yeah, it's it's just because it, when, when you're handling liquid in a, in a container, it's, it just has this rim that just keeps it contained a little bit better when you're moving around or uh -huh. yeah. and um, I think it's it's a practical feature as it's um, when you drink from a coxa it's just you have this um, edge mm -hmm. like a barrier and um, it looks nice too. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, something similar to a wine glass would be a good way to describe it, right? Is it yeah. a bowl at the bottom and curving yeah. in on top? Yeah, it looks looks really nice. I've always thought that looks really nice, and also, it's not tricky you, to yeah. Yeah. Also, when you're when you're having a hot drink, um. You you just want to contain the heat a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it just helps in the same way that you know cognac glass or whiskey glass. Uh, no, not whiskey, which called wine glass. Um, would do this with the aromas. I guess. The same is for coffee, but but also the heat. Just keeping the heat inside the cooks a bit longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, less surface yeah. area on top huh? as it gets closer. Less surface area. Yeah, and I guess the wood itself. I've never, I've never, drunken out of a cooks yeah. Must have a, a a quality that it preserves the heat also in comparison to to glass or plastic. I guess that's no, it yeah. insulates the wood itself. You post a lot of, yeah, not just your spoons, but also kind of you, your time outside. And it seems to me like you spend a lot of time outside and a lot of time um, yeah, with a fire and taking the time to make a drink, a coffee. Is it you're drinking coffee yeah. in the, in the most yeah. of the time? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that looks really nice. Just taking the time to be outside and to yeah, make I, the fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I just love being outside. That's the mm -hmm. primary reason. <laughs> also, I find if I'm going to do this kind of work, um, sitting down for hours and carving, I need to be um, doing some kind of, of movement uh, exercise. I do a, uh, try to exercise uh, doing like body weight exercises and um, and such um, playing a lot with my kids too but just if I can go out in the woods I have a pleasant uh, place to work in uh, and uh, it just make me 
feel better to sit down and, and carve after a hike or doing a, a little bit of barefoot running or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The connection to nature that happens. I mean, some people you can carve indoors, obviously, and do a lot of it. But yeah, for me, this is a big reason why I enjoy it so much. Even though I am carving now in winter more inside, I still do all my axe work outside. And obviously, the kind of looking for the wood itself, I have to go out and about. And I kind of like the adventureness of that, of going to the woods and kind of just not staying on the path, but walking through and looking for, for wood. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely a big, a big part of it for me. And like you, you can choose to go do the carving portion outside, obviously. Do you have then the same spot you like to go to, or do you walk really off into the woods and decide to sit somewhere? How does that work? Yeah, I, I often choose different places just. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have this um, natural reserve area just outside the door here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, <laughs> I just enjoy seeing different places. But often I, I stop when I find a good stream of water so I can take some and make some coffee and um, yeah find a good spot i guess yeah and all through winter you you do it like this yeah <laughs> i do a lot of indoor work too but that's more yeah the lighting uh-huh. is uh, is the limit there because i i when 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 carving i do need a good source of light. Um, and um, that's something that's always impressed on me very much when I when I look at um, like old figures that Inuits has carved from from Welros tusks or, or, or um, uh, old spoons and, and things that people made before the electric light. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really impressive work considering people were doing this with a very limited light source. Yeah, absolutely. So you prefer the outdoor light? That's funny. Like me, it's funny because often my I do the car X work outside, the carving outside, but when it comes to the uh, decoration, if I'm painting or... Um, Colorizing or chip carving, I do it inside because yeah. I feel like the whole surrounding is a bit more controlled. It's a bit more quiet, and I go more in somehow. It's more detailed and small. Do you also do your colorizing and these things outside also? No, no, the colorizing I, I need to be inside. And uh, mm. yeah, when I carve facets, often I need. Yeah, when doing the clean cutting, um, I need to have a electric light, so to speak. So that I do indoor. Yeah. Um, because you can you can take the lamp and give give it a very shallow angle, and that helps mm, you. Okay. Just seeing. Yeah, but when I do more of of the shaping, if I want to have a mirror symmetry, yeah. then I want the light to be 
more scattered so that I don't have too much of the hard shadows and, and uh, uh, yeah, because if you have like, if you're holding a spoon or cooks and, and the left half is very, very um, uh, strongly shadow and, and, and the right part is more lit up, then it will skew your perspective of, of the thing and um, it would be really hard to, to find that mirror symmetry. Mm-hmm. I see, yeah. Yeah. Ah, and yeah, so a lot of these times outside. What um, around you then, just to get a bit more of a picture, I see some post to your uh, carving. Uh, not carving, sorry. <laughs> I know you're carving. You're, you're kayaking and canoeing around. Yeah. This is also a big part of kind of what you're doing. You do, is this connected yeah. to the carving and this kind of being outside? Yeah, I just love canoeing. I've, I've been canoeing for many, many years. And um, uh, yeah, I built my own canoe. Um, I think it is almost 12 years ago. Now it's beaten up and <laughs> ready for pension. But, but yeah, I, I've, I've been canoeing for all my life almost and um, just love the lifestyle. Yeah. So just pack a, a tent and, and uh, go wherever. And... Um, there is a lot of lakes and streams here around, so you can travel pretty far. And uh, yeah, yeah, oh, it looks amazing. Like, yeah, it looks so cool. And do yeah. your children like you have uh, older children than I do? Like teenagers, I think you have three kids. I saw a video where they're doing some music. It was really cool. They're really <laughs> super talented. They're all singing together. They made a song up themselves, I think. And yeah. Ah, it was really cool to see. Yeah, my oldest is uh, 11 and uh, my youngest is around six. He's turning um, seven here in February. So, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And yeah, then do they come on, on these adventures with you sometimes? or? Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just not sure some people like, no, this is <laughs> this might be my alone time uh, i'm not yeah. sure maybe sometimes with your carving do do you do you have that where it's like no this is my work time leave me or how does that work with i'm always interested my kids are a bit younger and yeah uh, i try and do it when they're at uh, at the kindergarten or something but sometimes mm -hmm. i'm at home doing it and then it's the sometimes like no i want to do it but they come and want my attention too and this is kind of a thing which i'm trying to balance to I obviously want to give my kids my attention, but then sometimes I'm trying to say like, hey, no, this is what I want to do now. Yeah. Um, do you separate that kind of work time and time with the kids or does sometimes it melds together? Well, yeah, sometimes if I go into the woods and, and, and carve and they want to come along and just play and mind yeah. themselves, uh, yeah, then they absolutely can. And, uh, yeah. There's no problem there. If mm -hmm. they want to carve, then I can't do 
um, the work on, on specific pieces that are um, because I need to put my full attention into it. But mm-hmm. yeah. So often, if they want to, um, if they want to carve, because kids, especially young kids, can be, uh, yeah, they can have a hard time being calm enough to to um, um, respect the knives and and um, yeah, don't cut themselves. So therefore, I often start if they want to carve. I often prime them by doing some other activity that's um, more energetic so we can yeah get a slack line and and just play along and and just get that excess energy out first and then we can Uh calm down and and, uh, take a carving session session and um, yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's a good way but not uh, not uh easily done like excess energy sometimes there's a lot of that but yeah, yeah. yeah i can see the idea to yeah give them something active first so then they can huh, come and yeah i um, think it's very important to be able to to teach your children to to direct their focus and and uh, yeah mm-hmm. so it's, they, it's a good thing very good thing to to have your children to calm down and, and put a, a dangerous knife in their hand and <laughs> just yeah <laughs> it's a brilliant thing yeah yeah i did it recently with my with my uh two girls one the older one she's uh five and a five and a half yeah. and the other one's three and yeah they they wanted to to do it and they were kind of unsettled actually maybe I, but then as soon as I gave them I have the Mora for children this is a really nice one for parents out there maybe listening for their kids to start with the rounded tip yeah you know this one it has the little um hand guard so uh, yeah. it takes a little bit of the danger out it's still pretty sharp but there's no pointy tip and the little handguard and then yeah they sat down and they kind of zoned into it for i don't know 10 15 minutes at least but it really yeah. gave them like ah this task and they were just taking the bark off a yeah. off a stick just like this but um yeah it's really cool to see sometimes yeah you need to give them something to do it's like telling your kids to be quiet and calm down <laughs> yeah <laughs> that doesn't work you really have to uh yeah give them a reason to and for me, this is like, yeah, a, a task, whether it's yeah. carving or painting or here in the park next to us, there's some squirrels and birds that you can feed. And if you stay still long enough, the squirrels will come and eat out of your hand and the birds too. Yeah. And yeah, I've been there with my kids. They're kind of standing with their arms stretched out waiting for a bird for <laughs> much longer than I expected, but they had a reason to like stand still and and then yeah. be quiet so yeah that's that's a really good thing to to teach them i think yeah. i do it a lot with with um, when we are out and, and looking at different animals too mm. so when when you find a moose or something you don't want to spook it and you just lie still trying to breathe calmly and yeah 
I think it's terrific for, for children to because it's like they, they discovered discover something in themselves, a capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, without you kind of telling them, huh? That's what I'm thinking about. Like, yeah, with the kids just giving these them these uh, experiences where that's the best thing for them, yeah, to give yeah. experiences and for them to learn the self. You don't even need to put it into words sometimes, but they have these moments and you know something's going on in there and they're learning mm-hmm. about themselves and yeah yeah you must have had some really cool are there any a moose you must have had some quite exciting experiences seeing a moose i could imagine be quite a experience <laughs> Mooses get huge yeah yeah but we have them uh around the the house uh, a lot of times so it's oh, not well wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah, then there are other animals uh, that I've only seen uh, when I've been alone because you need to be quiet with a purpose uh, to find them because they are so um, uh, scared of humans. And so I've seen wolves and bears and lynx and uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah really terrific yeah that must be really cool wolf seeing a wolf in the wild and did it happen did it happen then were you kind of stalking hoping to see something or was it you're out in the woods being quiet doing your thing and then it it just happened on its own yeah with the wolf it was actually i was just out minding my own business being quiet and i i often travel very quietly and uh uh, in the summertime, well, I often go barefoot in the woods, so it's, yeah, you do a less noise. Um, bear encounters has been more like um, I've tried to find them and i succeeded sometimes, most times not. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the links too, it's very... They are very scared of humans and are, yeah, they know where you are, but <laughs> yeah. you have no clue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, very cool. So, yeah, it has a, yeah. yeah. I just want to say that has a, then this effect, like, yeah, on your, on your children and family. I'm always wondering how this carving kind of lifestyle we whether you do it for a hobby or not how, how this kind of rubs off on those around us friends and, and family because for me it was funny and was that a few a little while ago I'm just doing it for a hobby still I have my 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 work which I love but um, the kids don't see me do this so much because that's when I go away and do my and do my work and this carving in the last years for me is something they've seen me do a lot more and I had the funny moment where, and for me, I still feel like, ah, it's a small part of what I do. It's just a a hobby I like to do, but how did it go? We, we were talking somehow about dying, (laughs) death and dying Mm -hmm. with the kids as they start to ask these questions. And then, um, and then they said like, yeah, while we're talking, yeah. And when you die, dad, one day we'll come and put some spoons on your grave. Like, and I was (laughs) like, whoa, (laughs) and that quite, yeah, it was quite a funny thing to hear them back. Like, 
man, this this hobby for me that just started kind of very randomly that showed me how much uh, it's kind of become part of my life and how much they see their dad as this kind of spoon carving guy and how much it means that they think <laughs> that that's uh, that would be the and I've got nothing against that. If they put some spoons on my grave, I'll be happy. But it's just a funny <laughs> a funny moment to see it from their perspective. Like, yeah, how much uh, this thing is is a part of their their dad now. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I told my children that they can. <laughs> They can make a compost of my body and, and grow a tree, and then they can use that to to carve stuff from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I'm. Well, I do this um, as a kind of work. I have. This is my company, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, uh, no longer. that relation to it anymore but i, I do what i love to do yeah. yeah i enjoy working a lot with this yeah and then how can yeah how can people uh buy your work how where do people find out about you yeah you can uh, it's by instagram instagram yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and um, I have uh, taken a lot of uh, orderings or commission, mm-hmm. and um, I'm trying to do less of that. Mm-hmm. So I want to um, carve my spoons and cooks and um, just um, make posts when they are ready and. Um, um people can buy them and yeah mm-hmm. do it very <laughs> um spontaneous almost but yeah uh, instagram is the place where where you can find me and uh, often i i've done this i have if if an item is available for sale um you have uh, I have the price in the picture description, and um, if there is no price, it's not for sale or it's already gone. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that makes it pretty pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's still that. Yeah, you're getting requests and commissions, so it's it's yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good problem, but like you say, if you want to do more, just work for yourself and put it up there. You almost have to. I don't know, possibly say no commissions for a while to give yourself that time to to finish some things and put it up. Yeah. 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 It's a bit of a dilemma. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to do that either. I want to <laughs> be able to to give people what they want. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Saying no to a commission. Oh well, maybe someone <laughs> ask nicely and uh yeah, maybe have to wait, wait some time, <laughs> I guess, but that's fine yeah. too, isn't it? Not everything has to be yeah. instant, overnight, prime delivery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, and I work very slowly. 
I let uh-huh. uh, every people I make take as much time as it's requesting. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just. I mean, I, I never rush. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you can see that, and especially with the intricate, detailed work you're doing, it, it takes its time. I've had the idea to maybe slow down myself. Because I still somehow have this thing of like, da da da, want to start the next one and this, yeah, yeah. finished and did kind of. And yeah, I have the thoughts sometimes to like you know, spend more time planning too. I spoke on the likes last podcast. I'm quite um, hasty in that sense that I want to carve a spoon. I go out and decide on the moment and kind of chop it out and decide as I go. So possibly yeah, I'll do this. I think it's for me a goal is to always try to make the next one um, better than the previous mm-hmm. one, and uh, sometimes I succeed, sometimes I don't. But that's the the goal, and um, I'm not. If I can't feel that I'm satisfied with. The results. I'm not going to sell it, and I'm not going to um, be done with it. I will mm-hmm. always try to continue to to just finish it off uh, on a level that I am pleased with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's a different way of looking at it, right? Where some, yeah, this one's not so good, but it's fine. And someone will be happy. Someone will be happy to use it for them. It's still good, but you have your standards and you, uh, yeah, want to. And I don't, I don't see, I don't think it's any rights or wrongs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But only, well, maybe I think if something is wrong is when, if somebody were to 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 carve something and it's not i mean good quality in terms of, of what it can withstand um for for it has to to be usable mm-hmm. but that's on, the only thing i could think of in terms of how it looks and how the method of making and uh, all this stuff, I think there is no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's like I was really shocked by hearing people um, thinking that if you're using sandpaper, something is, is bad. And mm-hmm. me personally, I don't. I don't use sandpaper when I carve spoons and cook sauce. But if somebody is, I can't see why that would be wrong if they prefer that type of finish or, or yeah and if it like you said improves the the functionality maybe people starting out it was the same you couldn't go so thin or get such a smooth finish in the bowl why not sand to make the the finish smoother and make the spoon nicer to use huh yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. Yeah, and, cool. I mean, it's yeah, just for me, it's just being able to to 
do without is very important, obviously. But yeah. but also you you know when you learn to sharpen your tools correctly and you just um, yeah know how to use them, you often realize that other tools like sandpaper became obsolete and uh, yeah 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 again you're just kind of minimalizing and simplifying if yeah if you have the skills obviously to make it um nicely usable just with the knives but then yeah you're you're simplifying you have your your few knives and your axe and that's that's all you need yeah 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 very cool john um i'm wondering what else so yeah oh well if people want to find you i'm sure many of the people listening do um know of you already but for other people instagram is the is the place to go yeah, yeah we had the funny thing which i mentioned to you which was a bit tricky to find your profile i don't know yeah. what the what the reason was there if you ask someone else but you, I had to type in your entire name before it popped up. Maybe it was something on my side. I don't know, but uh, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I tried it. Um, yeah, my wife tried it on her Instagram to to type my name, and, and yeah, it was like you said, you had to type it out the full name, and, and then I came up. Really. I don't really know why and uh, what to do about it. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe somebody, yeah, maybe I could, somebody listening or or ask somebody that knows. I really don't know about these things myself. I've just heard of like shadow banning as if, <laughs> not saying this is what's happening, but I know there's things that Instagram and people can do to make it more difficult to find people and some people that are posting things they don't necessarily want to be shared, they can shadow ban. So mm -hmm. the person who is shadow banned doesn't actually know, but they're just much harder to find and their stories and their posts just won't show up in other people's feeds, um, which is, yeah, really... Controversial spoon carving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what have you been posting? That's... No, not at all. You're... you're uh, your things are always really nice and really positive. I like that too, that you're always just, yeah, wishing everybody a good time. And it's obvious that you, uh, yeah, want, want good for people. And I don't know, it's quite mysterious. Maybe somebody listening can tell us why would <laughs> a profile be so hard to find, even though you're following the person, you're following me. That's, I just don't know how this all works. But anyway, I'll put your name in the show notes and things people will be able to find you and um yeah unless there's anything else um we haven't covered or you want to say or ask no i i, I don't nothing comes to mind but mm -hmm. i think it was a really pleasant talk and um um yeah yeah. Hope to do this again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. Just always nice for me to to meet these other makers and yeah, learn a bit a bit more about yourself and um, yeah. Yeah. One day, hopefully, connect more with other makers in real in real life. 
but until then this is uh this is very yeah. nice too and the nice thing is we can share this with whoever's listening that can also yeah appreciate your thoughts and uh get to know you a bit better so thank you very much john have a good rest of your day and yeah thank you yeah. too someone. much appreciated yeah thank you take care okay. take care thanks for listening to this episode If you want to see the work and connect with John, you can find him on Instagram at John underscore Sloyd, S-L-O-Y-D. And if you want to connect with me, I'm also on Instagram at Root Spoons. Thanks again and happy carving.